0: Red Business with Jonathan Healy
1: Hi there thanks very much for joining us coming up on this episode of Red Business we're going to look ahead to a big conference in town next week talking about where Cork could run into trouble when it comes to infrastructure and that also applies to housing but first up Airbnb was set up in 2007. It quickly spread around the world. Four million hosts welcoming one and a half billion guests. But what kind of impact is it having locally? A new Oxford Economics report shows Airbnb was worth 53 million euros to the Cork economy in 2022. It supported 410 jobs across Cork, with many sectors benefiting from tourism to hospitality to entertainment and to transport. Derek Nolan is the head of public policy at Airbnb Ireland. Hiya, Derek. How are you?
0: Hi, Jonathan. I'm very good. How are you?
1: I'm good. I mean, it's incredible how popular Airbnb has become. I've used it myself twice in the last year, staying in Ireland. People just kind of got into it.
0: It has. It it, it strikes me, even as someone who works for Airbnb, Jonathan, just how it's transformed travel for so many people and in so many ways. Like, I have, I I think, one, the, the method of kind of, you know, having larger places where you can. In the space of people but also the kind of the pandemic and it's kind of it forcing people apart that is we've really seen a kind of a change in what people actually want out of travel it used to be i want to go see barcelona now it's i want to spend time with my parents or with my with my partner or with with the kids in a kind of a place where we can relax and i think that's really where airbnb has managed to kind of surf a wave of changing in travel dynamics and where ireland is benefiting as you say Uh, with huge numbers of guests spending huge numbers of money in the economy and creating jobs in every corner of the country and including in Cork, as you say.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I used it, it was going to, shall we say, less... Uh, well traversed roads. um uh, but it was important for those local communities that we had people staying in these houses because otherwise they'd be empty and they wouldn't be generating any particular income. I- i'm I'm is it all Dublin and Cork uh, for Airbnb or do you, do you have a good geographical spread right around the regions and in particular in in those less travel spots?
0: so we have a good we have a good picture of it so what we did jonathan was we gave all of our data that we have on the platform uh, a lot of it for 2022 to oxford economics and, and asked them to do a report and because they're a very reputable um, organization they said we will but it'll be independent and what we say is what we'll get so what we're getting we got back was almost a surprise to us what we saw is that um in if you compare where our listings were and where people stayed in 2019 to 20 and compared to 2022 people had left dublin And they had moved away. So actually, Dublin, as a proportion of our nights, is about in 2022 was about 22%. That's the same as Cork and Kerry together. So as many people staying in Cork and Kerry, as are staying in Dublin and not far behind my own west of Ireland um, is that 18% uh, with Galway and Connemara in particular really picking up um, the, picking up the, the, the numbers. So we're seeing this kind of trend away from urban centres. I mean, that was seen with the pandemic everywhere, but just really a, a boon to, um, to to rural and regional Ireland. Um, which which you know for which that tourism dollar means a lot more. They don't have the same industry that Dublin would have. They wouldn't have the concentration of you know multinationals for like for example Airbnb, which is based in Dublin too. Um, so that tourism dollar really does matter a lot. Um, when you get it spent in in rural Ireland, and like some of the figures that I was particularly surprised by, um, is where our nights were spent and what we the figures we've put forward are what we call guest nights. So it's um you know if a if a guest stayed for one night that's one guest night. If they stayed for two that's two. Um, you know, 3, 4.4 4 million overall in, in Ireland in 2022, but in Cork, they almost 10%, 436,000. Um, Donegal, for example, three hundred and seventy-nine thousand. Um, like places like Sligo, ninety-five thousand. All you know, bringing millions of euro in spending money mm. and thousands and, and supporting hundreds of jobs in those yeah. countries and But I suppose,
1: country. Derek, I have to put to you. You're seen as the bogeyman in the tourism sector, you're taking money out of the B and Bs, you're taking money out of the hotels as well. You're to say that you're not universally liked is a bit of an understatement. Are you? Do Do you feel like uh, the black sheep of hospitality?
0: I don't um I think that you know there's there's uh, the tourism market is an important one for Ireland and you know Airbnb plays a role um I think it's a win-win personally um you know uh, you know if you go to just think of it um you know how often do you go to a wedding and you know there's only so many rooms in the hotel and we only need to stay somewhere nearby so you end up staying in the Airbnb Um, That helps the hotel, that helps the the region, that helps the the person in Cork, in Kerry, who owns that holiday home or who owns that property or who owns that spare room. Um, What I like to see about it and and, uh, what I always think fascinates people is that the typical Airbnb host in Ireland um, actually hosts for about three nights a month um, and earns between five and six thousand euros. And that is a lifeline to those people. Um, And it's really becoming more and more popular, particularly as cost of living goes up. Um, I would have friends in Galway, for example, who would live in the center of town who would decamp for a week during race week um, to make sure that they all that they could put the property up and that would pay for their holiday for the summer. Okay. Um. Or you have people who would be going away on their own holiday and they will share their home um, and that's what pays okay. for for that holiday and when they it's, go away. It's, so it's, it's clever. I think it's a win-win.
1: Yeah, it's micro-entrepreneurship in many ways. Uh, the other thing that you get a lot of criticism for, Derek, is you're taking valuable housing stock out of the long-term rental market. I've never heard Airbnb respond to that particular accusation how do you how do you rationalize what you do with the need for a long term housing stock
0: I suppose what, what I always say on that is that I for the first I always recognize that housing is a really important issue and, and I never I never walk away from it. Um the first thing I, I have to posit because I often think it's it's exaggerated, short-term rentals are not the cause of Ireland's housing, housing crisis. Um but I think that's important to say. Some people would have you believe that. Um but what I think is is important is to re- is to I suppose get the balance right. Um As I say, most of our hosts um, in Ireland are doing three nights a month, Um, and and I think those need to be part of the factor and the discussion as well. Um, One one of the things that I think grates people is when they see rules being there and not being being followed. Um, And I think that what we need in Ireland is to make sure that when we have rules in place for who can and cannot be an Airbnb, that they're followed. Um, and one of the things that we're working very closely with uh, uh, with the government on um, is what's called a registration system. And registration is the cornerstone of regulatory systems for short term rentals all over the world. We can't be a part of the solution to housing concerns, to good tourism, to being part of the, the tourism landscape, unless we know who can and cannot be on our platform. And that's why we need registration. And I think the government is making good progress on that. They're waiting for some EU laws to be. Uh, enacted in the next number of months, I think before they can move forward, and I think that will give government that, and local authorities the data they need to enforce rules, but also to make sure that those hosts that we want hosting are hosting, um, and those uh, and that we can grow our tourism pie. Okay. I would also say that there is just a big difference between you know Dublin and rural West Cork. Um, and we need to treat those two places differently. No, uh, absolutely, uh-huh. and
1: I think that there's there, the people understand that. Will you share the detail with Revenue when it comes to it? Because uh, I, I'm sure they'd be delighted to see who is an Airbnb host.
0: Uh, we have been sharing. Uh, <laughs> we've been sharing data with Revenue, uh, John, uh, for quite some time, uh, and it, in fact, there's new European legislation coming in place. Uh, and our hosts will know this because we've been in touch with them and um, detailing more detailed um, information that we have to share with 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 revenue. So um, that information has been flowing for quite some time and will continue to flow on okay. an even more rigid basis in the future.
1: <laughs> um, one of the things you can do nothing about is the weather. Uh, did you find bookings this year? I know these figures relate to 2022. Did we take a bit of a hit in 2023 because everyone got fed up with the rain? Uh,
0: not that I'm aware of, and um, so I haven't seen the figures for for 2023 yet. Um, and and uh, we I have to be careful about what I can say because we're a publicly listed company, and I'm not allowed to give out um, travel trends. Or well, you can
1: give out about the Irish weather, Derek. I don't think anyone's but, going to but... care about that on the stock exchange. <laughs>
0: But but I'm perfect. I'm perfectly happy to give out about the Irish weather anytime, Jonathan. Uh, as someone who lived in Australia until two years ago and has come back to the grey, um, any any time at all. I think our hosts are resilient though, um, and they're, they they show that um, you know the market will meet demand. One of the fascinating things, and we're seeing this all over the world, um, is that people are staying for longer. Um, People are staying for greater than 30 nights. Um, It Accounts for, I think it was um, over 15% of our business. Um, So people are actually, you know, taking, not taking time off work, uh, booking an Airbnb, going down to West Cork and staying there and living there for a month or for six weeks um, and then going back and, and actually kind of, being part of the local community and as remote working changes I think you're going to start seeing that huge change Uh, one you'll see people moving into Cork but two you'll see people going out of Cork to live somewhere else for a while so Lisbon is very popular at the moment you hear parts of parts of Italy and putting their property on Airbnb for those six weeks eight weeks that they're away and one of the things I'm always concerned about when I hear about um the discussions on regulation you mentioned it about about how do we regulate short-term rentals is that people people kind of engage in a binary discussion like this property would either be a long term rental or it will be a short term rental and that's not actually the case for many of many of our hosts um, the property that is on the platform will can never be a long term rental because it could be it's their primary home yeah it's their holiday I, home. I, yeah I, I, I suppose
1: it's it's saying that there's a, an individual Airbnb type property is is a misnomer because as you say they take many different forms Derek Nolan head of public policy at Airbnb Ireland it's been a pleasure thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us.
0: Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jonathan.
1: Leaders, influencers and policy across the construction sector are going to be meeting in the Roachstown Park Hotel on September 7th. Next is the CIF Southern Construct Summit. Yours truly will be there as host. And amongst the key topics we'll be talking about housing, the Port of Cork, the skills pipeline and the ability of our home county to attract investment. To tell us more about it is Kieran O'Donovan, who is the CIF Cork Branch Chairman. He's also the Managing Surveyor of Murnane O'Shea. How are you doing?
2: very good Jonathan thanks very much
1: for having us there's an awful lot to talk about isn't there at this event so what are the biggest challenges facing Cork right now um, how long have you got uh, Jonathan I suppose
2: uh, I suppose look just to give a synopsis really that um, the the Southern constructive summit is something that that happens every year to CF um, uh, it takes place every year in September um, and I suppose this year look the key the key items to discuss really are as you said out there really uh, firstly, I suppose the, the, the key topic is the, the housing issue um, and and the provision of housing um, in the region and also obviously around the country. Um, so I suppose to start off with that um, I suppose really we at the moment we the housing targets are set out by the government. I suppose we would have huge concerns within the industry that those targets are not ambitious enough. Um, uh, you know the, the housing target of circa 30,000 units per year. We believe it isn't sufficient to to to, to create um, housing for the amount of people out there that require it. And so, uh, in in that respect, I suppose we're looking at ways. Why why aren't we producing more more than 30 houses at this stage? And I suppose the the, the kind of fundamental issues that we have out there really come back to the availability of zoned lands. Um, generally um, there there is insufficient zone lens yeah. I mean as, to- as long
1: as I've been doing this conference Karen, we we've been talking about the same things uh, you know apartment right. building isn't happening because it's too cost prohibitive unless you're building them for the public sector and that that's happening uh, where we're building houses we're building them in the wrong place and, and, and they're not the best type of house if you want to deliver housing quickly I mean we're, we're still we're stuck in a bit of a quagmire when it comes to housing and it's now going to start biting on our ability to attract inward investment
2: um yeah absolutely um i, I mean for, for example take a good example where th- last year there's 40 000 work permits issued in ireland um, and, and and our housing target was 30,000. so just for new people coming into the into the country and um, you can see the disconnect in relation to the targets that are out there and um, so it is certainly going to have an effect uh, on inward investments you know the 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 increasing with reduced supply obviously there's an increased um sales prices um, and which cause a, a, a fundamental issue, issue within the industry and it's going to affect it affects all aspects of life um, and and all families and it also affects what's having started to have a huge effect is our, our young folk as well or or 20 to 30-year-olds who are, are leaving the country because they just don't see a way of getting onto the ladder.
1: Another Groundhog Day for us at the conference. We'll be talking about the Port of Cork that's supposed to be moving down and has moved down to a certain degree, down to Ring of Look at all the land they could be building, houses and apartments on, that are currently uh, being used uh, for, for cranes and unloading containers that could easily be done somewhere else. Is it slowing down too much, do you think? And is it, again, one of these pinch points? We need to move faster on... To free up land.
2: Yeah, there's not doubt about that. You know, the, the the wheels move very, very slowly. I mean, it's great to see this year that the enabling works have started for them 28, which probably is the first the first step in that process. And um, but again, we need to be more ambitious. We need to, um, you know, put the plans in place and get the funding in place uh, to fast track these projects. These projects are taking decades rather than years to, to to come to fruition and you know that port cork is an absolute key enabler for cork city generally um, on a step-by-step process. You know, when support Cork moves, obviously there's huge uh, swaths of land which can be developed within the city.
1: I don't know how often you have the Leaving Cert exam, Kieran. I have it on a regular basis still. Uh, But this week, the CAO offers were out uh, and young people are looking at their, their next career choice. Are you worried still that construction isn't appealing in the same way that it used to be and people might be more inclined to turn up their nose at apprenticeships or other Roots into the sector.
2: Yeah, but most definitely, most definitely. I suppose it's it, 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 it's it's a good time to talk. But just from my own perspective, and um, uh, I know myself, coming out of leaving search, I had huge ambitions of become becoming a, 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 a seafarer, um, and I missed out because I didn't do my medical. I got my date wrong for the medical, <laughs> and then we did the construction industry, and and then we did the construction studies in in, in what was the RTC. And um, and and did my certain diploma, I went on to my degree, um, and 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 found my way into the construction industry that way. And I'm, I'm certainly glad that that things didn't go differently for me. Well, I mean, um, I, I don't know what course. your sea
1: legs are like, but that could have gone horribly wrong. But you ended up getting that, a career but, out yeah, of it. Yeah, that
2: was a major, a major career change. But just to give, so give people, I suppose, that are getting their CEO results this week, and um, you know, it, it's not the be all and end all um, in that regard. But yeah, absolutely, it's it's a really difficult. Uh, people of my age will say i've got an even start this year and 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 it, it's very hard to persuade and um, both parents and young people to consider construction industry as a a, 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 a viable career choice Um, And I suppose as a CAF, we try to get into the schools um, and and talk to the transition year students um, uh, to promote the the industry. But I think the government needs to do a little bit more in relation to having a focus with with career guidance uh, uh, people and teachers to promote the industry a little bit more. And so there's both a social aspect to it in relation to apprenticeships and the like, but also I think there's, a, there's a, a training aspect to it as well with teachers and the Department of Education generally.
1: Well, it's always a well-attended event, bringing people from the construction sector together. Uh, it's in the Rochstown Park Hotel. Uh, that's the venue for the event on the 7th of September. If you're heading down to it, looking forward to seeing you there. I'll definitely see you there, Kieran, because you're going to be uh, launching the whole thing. Kieran O'Donovan, uh, CIF Cork Branch Chairman, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Sure. Thanks, Jonathan. Now, we've been speaking about how issues such as housing and skills shortages in construction could hamper Cork's development. The business group IBEC also wants the government to increase its spending here to facilitate the expected growth in population. The government is forecasting that Cork's population will increase by as much as 60% by 2040. But to do that, we have to have big improvements in things like social, economic, environmental infrastructures. Members of IBEC had a meeting in Cork to discuss the budget, which is going to be on October 10th. Head of Regional Policy will with IBEC is Helen Lee. She's with me now. Hiya, Helen. Hello, Jonathan. Tell me a little bit about what the members at the meeting told you.
3: So, I suppose first of all, the meeting was. Uh, it's the first of a series of engagements that IBEC is having with members across the country, with TDs ahead of the budget. Uh, we published our our a uh, very comprehensive budget submission earlier this summer, uh, which marked the launch of our budget campaign um, and IBEC members stretching the length and breadth of the country, businesses of all sizes and in all sectors including obviously here in Cork, uh, informed the IBEC budget submission so it it is very reflective of of the needs uh, of our members. The meeting in Cork on Monday um, so the meeting was attended by Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, uh, Simon Coveney but the meeting was also very well attended by TDs from Cork, Cork, uh, from across all the the various political parties with all parts of cork city and county represented and uh, as you said the national planning framework targets uh, a 60% population growth for cork city by 2040 so that meeting was a was a hugely important opportunity for businesses in cork to update ministers and tds on key priorities for businesses in the mm-hmm. region Uh, to ensure that Cork achieves uh, its growth, its growth ambition and its growth potential. uh,
1: How how high on the list was housing? We were just talking about that with the CIF and the challenges in, in building houses. What were the businesses saying to the ministers about that?
3: Yeah, so there was a number of key issues raised and I suppose one of the biggest challenges facing our members are capacity constraints. So capacity constraints in housing and infrastructure, skills and labour are are the main issue for firms. And that's what we're hearing back from our members consistently. Um, And I suppose, Jonathan, a failure of of domestic supply capacity and infrastructure to keep up is leading to significant congestion and constraints and ultimately that is impacting quality of life and the growth potential of regions.
1: The other thing, of course, that was raised was was cost. Um, And every business out there knows their costs have gone up quite a lot, particularly if they're involving heating or fuel or anything relating to that, or electricity at the very basic level. Uh, What were they saying in relation to that, those who were present at this meeting?
3: Yeah, so absolutely, cost competitiveness was was, uh, was certainly discussed at the meeting. And I suppose despite... um, Business sentiment remaining optimistic. Um, uh, Businesses in the region highlighted escalating employment and operating costs as key issues heading into budget 2024. And IBEC um, is urging government to support businesses impacted by the imposition of significant new new labour market costs by government, including, for example, the living wage, uh, pensions, auto-enrolment and others like um, enhanced protective leave entitlement. And in fact, In IBEC, we estimate that uh, across the whole economy, these measures, along with the living wage, would add 4.7% to the wage bill by 2026 and and 9% by 2030. So we know that that the living wage is coming and uh, and businesses will do what is asked of them. But we must get the transition right um, and the cost of not doing so. Um, you know, it, 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 uh, could potentially include business closures, job losses and higher inflation. And, and this is particularly, I think, the case for small and medium enterprises who will find it hardest to, to observe, um, this significant ex- extra cost. Mm. So I suppose in the budget, Jonathan. Our ask is to ensure supports for rising employment costs are in place, uh, and we have a number of, of measures proposed uh, in our submission, um, including, for example, increasing the top rate employer PRSI threshold above the, the new living wage um uh, annually, but also the introduction of a temporary PRSI credit uh, for for lower uh, earning workers relative to the increases in, in, in uh, weekly okay. labour costs, which will occur in, in 2024, 2025 and uh, uh, yeah, 2026. Absolutely. 2026.
1: The money that will be received by those people gratefully received, but uh, as employers, that, that's the message that was being given. Uh, just bringing it back to Cork if we can specifically, Helen, because all matters are Cork matters at the end of the day. The fear of the CIF is that yes, we're doing great now, um, but I, they're worried about 10 years' time what that's going to look like. Do your businesses share that worry? Yes, things are going well right now. We're at full employment, past it in many cases. Uh, we want the economy to keep growing. We want Cork to keep growing. But there was a very real fear by the sounds of it that matters outside of the control of employers may stifle that growth.
3: Yeah, no, no, no absolutely. And I suppose, look, it's important to know that the that, that business sentiment remains buoyant. The majority of our firms are in expansionary mode. Uh, demand in the Irish economy will continue to grow strongly. Um, and there is a tremendous opportunity ahead, um, but it will require real ambition from government to position ourselves, I think, to take full advantage of it. Um, but investments in the private sector is outgrowing many parts of the public sector and this needs to be addressed.
1: And Helen, if you had one overall request to Minister McGrath, what would it be?
3: I think our key message is that budget 2024 must deliver on infrastructure and social investment capacity. Um, our major challenge is creating the capacity to harness abundance. Our uh, uh, the, the economy is continuing to grow at a rapid pace uh, and the case for further for private investment remains strong. Our, our major challenge is creating the capacity to continue to grow. Uh, whilst maintaining social cohesion. Uh, and we believe that the upcoming budget presents a significant opportunity to address this, to invest in infrastructural capacity, while at the same time strengthening uh, social investment, ensuring the benefits of economic progress are felt by all. And we see like challenges in, in other investment locations means that Ireland is still a location of, of choice for new investment. And CEOs, they see substantive growth opportunities um, if we can deliver um, the infrastructure and skills to match.
1: We'll see how responsive the Minister is to your request, the the request of the Cork business people, indeed everybody who has been bombarding Michael McGrath for the last few weeks as he gets ready for the budget on October the 10th. Uh, Helen Leahy, Head of Regional Policy with IBEC. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, Helen. Thank you, Jonathan. And that's it for this episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, Red Business in Focus, our video podcast series, with thanks to Cork's local enterprise offices, is available now, along with every episode of Red Business, on redfm.ie. Fiona Corcoran was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one.
2: Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.